Welcome back to Tales of Southwest Michigan's Past. This is Michael Delaware. I am your host, and I hope that you had a wonderful Christmas. And I know a lot of folks out there have family members that are in town, and they're going to be hanging around through New Year's, and you're probably looking for things to do, especially when that holiday boredom kicks in. And I wanted to do something in this episode that might help you with that and also give you a chance to explore a little local history in your area. So we're going to talk today about forgotten railroad lines, some of the history of the railroad in Michigan, and how some of these railroad lines that no longer exist are being made into areas of recreation across the state and we're going to concentrate on some of these in southwest michigan it's called the rails to trail program i'm going to tell you the story about one particular railroad line that has some history in kalamazoo between kalamazoo and south haven with some of the timeline of that railroad line that now longer exists and is now a rail to trail footpath and biking path And we're going to talk about some of the history of the railroad and other trails in southwest Michigan that have come into existence because of the history of the railroad. So come along and join me. This should be a fun and interesting one and perhaps stimulate some ideas for things to do with family between Christmas and New Year's when they're in town. So we're going to begin by looking at one particular railroad line. But before we do that, I wanted to give you some timeline of history of railroads in Michigan. I've talked about this before on this podcast. And the first railroad tracks that were laid in Michigan were laid between Adrian and Toledo in 1833. And this was part of the original... Erie and Kalamazoo Railroad, and these first cars were actually pulled by horses. In 1837, the first locomotive went into service in Michigan. And by 1840, railroad mileage in Michigan reached 104 miles. So these were the emerging years of the railroad. 1861, the state's first known movement of troops happened by railroad, and it took place when Company G, the 3rd Regiment of Michigan's Infantry, went from Lansing to Bath in lumber wagons to board the Amboy, Lansing, and Traverse Bay Railroad. This was the closest railroad to Lansing at the time. By 1870, however, in the state of Michigan, it was becoming a very popular form of transportation. And that period of time, the 1870 to 1880, is often considered the golden age of railroad in the state of Michigan because it was uh, turning the corner to becoming a transportation resource that everyone was using to travel around the state. And it also brought in things like circuses and entertainment from faraway places to small towns and cities. So you have all of these opera houses and theatrical places being developed and established in the 1870s, and you have the circuses like Barnum and Ringling Brothers and so many other ones that came through uh, Michigan, bringing in both circuses and menageries and all kinds of entertainment into small rural areas in Michigan. Skipping all the way ahead to 1910, 
the total railroad trackage in Michigan reached its maximum of 9,021 miles of track. Track mileage gradually declined from that point on to its current levels of about 3,600 today. So today in Michigan, we have about one-third of the railroad tracks that once existed in 1910, just to give you an idea of the context of that, which is the setting of the stage for today's episode. So I'm going to tell you the history of one particular railroad line that was incorporated in 1869, and it was the Kalamazoo and South Haven Railroad Company, K&SH. And it began constructing a 40-mile stretch of track that would connect Kalamazoo with the Lake Michigan shoreline and the village of South Haven during that year in April of 1869. The K&SH line was completed in 1870 and leased to the Michigan Central Railroad, which ultimately merged with the Kalamazoo and South Haven Company in 1916. Passenger trains traveled this route until 1937, but freight service continued all the way into the early 1970s before the railroad line was finally abandoned. And today that old railroad bed, the tracks have been removed and it's been transformed into the Calhaven State Park Trail, which is one of these rails to trails that I'll get into more here in Southwest Michigan. So I want to just tell you a little bit of the history of some of the stops on the Kalamazoo and South Haven line as it relates to Kalamazoo County. And I'll go through the list of where the stops were. It started in Kalamazoo, and then it went to a station called Brownells. Then it went to Hopkins Station. Then it went and made a stop in Alamo Township. Then the next stop was Williams, Kendall's, Pine Grove, Goebbels, Bloomingdale, Bear Lake, Columbia, Grand Junction, Browns Mills, Geneva, Kibbles, and finally it stopped in South Haven. So it had many stops along its route. And there's all of this information was taken from a train rail schedule by the Michigan Central Railroad that was published in April of 1876 in the Kalamazoo Gazette. A lot of this information today is coming from the Kalamazoo Library History webpage. I'll put the link to this article in the show note descriptions, as well as links to other sites that I'll be referencing today regarding rails to trails and where to find them. So this Kalamazoo and South Haven Railroad followed a northwesterly route out of Kalamazoo towards the village of Alamo before passing through well-known places like Goebbels and Bloomingdale and Grand Junction on its way to South Haven. But the train made a couple of stops that were additional in Kalamazoo County before it reached Alamo. And these places have long since been forgotten. They were rail stops known as Brownell or Brownell Station and Hopkins or Hopkins Station. So I'm going to tell you some of the history of these little stations that no longer exist. And a lot of them were just little wooden shanty type shacks that were along the railroad track, but they provided access to the railroad for people living in these rural communities or traveling to them. So the first stop was four miles northwest of Kalamazoo and the train stopped there at Brownell Station. And when the train approached the North 12th Street crossing, which is now North Drake Road, this was where you stopped at at Brownell Station. 
Now, according to the 1873 atlas, a small depot stood on the east side of North 12th Street along the south side of the tracks on property belonging to David W. and Magdalene Brownell in Section 6 of Kalamazoo Township. Now, newspaper listings document activity at Brownell Station as early as May of 1871, soon after the railroad line had opened. So residents on the Grand Prairie Road and surrounding areas found Brownell Station to be quite a convenience, and it made it possible to access the railroad and travel to South Haven or Kalamazoo. And the station was clearly marked on the 1916 topographical map, and it remained known until at least 1939. An interesting short little clip from an article of 1881 was posted in this uh, blog article they wrote about it. It says a car loaded with logs ran off the tracks on the South Haven Road near Brownells yesterday and ditched several cars. The passengers were loaded into boxcars and brought in. This is from the Kalamazoo Gazette on 9 September 1881. So some logs fell off the track and uh, interfered with the uh, South Haven Road near Brownell Station, so they had to uh, leave some of the passenger cars behind and put everybody in boxcars to bring them into Kalamazoo uh, as kind of an emergency solution to the problem. The days of traveling in 1881. The other station that was between Alamo and Kalamazoo was Hopkins Station. So after you left Brownell Station, the K and SH line continued in a west northwesterly direction for another mile or so before curving sharply northward toward Alamo. And soon after the curve came another stopping point where the tracks crossed West G Avenue, west of North 10th Street on the property belonging to Laban and Susan Hopkins. And this was known as Hopkins Station, or simply Hopkins, although not to be confused with the village of the same name in central Allegan County. Now, like Brownell, Hopkins Station was established during the early 1870s, although little else is known about it. According to the 1873 Kalamazoo County map, a small depot was probably located along the west side of the tracks on the north side of West G Avenue. And it's possible that the two rail stops, both Brownell and Hopkins Station, may have later been combined into one station, uh, most likely at Brownell, although Hopkins Station remained a familiar name on the land for quite some time. And in the article that I'm reading, they have a picture of the little Hopkins Station, and it really wasn't more than what you might consider to be a large fruit stand. Um, And there was a sign placed out front when it was opened, and essentially, I guess you stopped in there, purchased a ticket from somebody that may have worked at the station, or you just joined, got on the railroad and paid the uh, conductor when you got on, and it just gave you a little shelter to wait for the train to come. Now, unlike the stations that were in larger villages like Alamo and South Haven and, and other places that had larger populations along the route of the railroad, trains only stopped at Brownell or Hopkins if they were signaled to do so when they were approaching. So there was some means of which to signal the train to a stop. And usually it was probably just somebody standing out there waving, saying, hey, they wanted to get on. 
because I doubt that a railroad personnel would be stationed out there to flag people down. Regardless, this served as a convenient passenger boarding station for area residents and local farmers who they loaded up fresh fruit and other produce during their stop to be bound for markets in Kalamazoo and South Haven, depending on which way the train was headed on the route. Today, there's nothing that exists of these stations except notations on old maps and railway timetables in old newspapers and perhaps some stories that exist from local residents that their grandparents once told them about. But that's just one short example of railroads that existed. Now, I mentioned before, over 9,000 tracks in Michigan at one time, and now we're down to about 3,600 miles in tracks. So where did the other 5,000 to 6,000 tracks go? Well, a lot of them were abandoned. Um, Some of the tracks were torn up and turned into scrap metal and repurposed for other uses. But the areas where the trains went through, the railroad beds that were carefully made, crossed different sections of the country and the countryside. So in 1986, an organization was formed called the Rails to Trails Conservancy. And their goal was to bring the power of trails to more communities across the country. And so they started turning these old tracks that were beds of tracks out in the community and turning them into hiking and biking trails all across the country. And they've had over a million grassroots supporters across the nation working on this mission. And they've reconverted 24,000 miles of rails to trails on grounds nationwide with more than 8,000 miles of rails to trail ready to be built or linking other corridors and things that they're working on. So they're constantly repurposing and creating these old railroad lines into trail systems within a community and some of them are shorter than others and some are longer but they're basically places that you can go for a walk with family go biking if you enjoy that activity some of them do allow bikes some don't you have to read up on each one each trail before you go most of them do allow biking it's a great place to go walk your dog and when i started my youtube channel that was one of the places that i started going to was the rails to trail conservancy and looking for trails in my area and so there's a lot of great history of the old railroads on these trails some of them have historic markers some have repurposed old railroad bridges and turned them into walking paths and of course the trails themselves were the original railroad beds so it's kind of unusual in certain places you're walking and there'll be just a straight line perfectly and you go why did somebody make a trail this way well that was the railroad and so there are trails that are straight lines that shoot through the countryside but they go through wooded areas and over bridges and they go through unpopulated areas and then they come back out into communities so and then there's some that are very curvy and it's all uh, depending on where the railroad was at but a lot of these old rails the trails are very straight shots so they're really good for biking Um, they're also good just for a nice long walk Um, i've gone out there both on my bike and i've gone out there with my dogs walking and i've gone out there with groups of people before and it's just a, a great type of trail system to visit because they're all different some of them have crushed limestone as the base walking area some are 
paved with asphalt and some sections are paved with concrete depending on where you are. So where are some of these trails in southwest Michigan? Well, I've already mentioned the Cow Haven Trail. That starts in Kalamazoo and it runs all the way up to South Haven. And you literally can bike your way from one end to the other and back again if you're so inclined. That's a pretty long trail. It would probably take you a good part of the day to make the journey on a bike. But there's a lot of people out there that do that quite often. I've been out there where I've had people... Uh, ride in that said that they just rode in from South Haven when I was starting at the Kalamazoo end and told me that they started in Kalamazoo that morning. So they will make the ride out there. That's somebody that's a lot better shape than I am on long distance biking. Um, <laughs> but there's a lot of other trails in Southwest Michigan. I want to give you um, a list of some of the ones that you can explore depending on where you live in Southwest Michigan, because uh, they're right in your neighborhood quite often and you may not be aware that they were originally a railroad system. So I'm going to give you some different places around southwest Michigan where you can find some of these rails to trail systems. If you're looking for something between the Albion and Jackson area, there's the Falling Waters Trail, which is about 10 and a half miles long. There is, that's, that's going to be over towards Jackson, between Jackson and Albion. There's an extremely long one in the Hastings, Middleville, and all the way over to Nashville and Vermontville. Now, sections of this are still being renovated, so you'll need to check it out. But this is called the Paul Henry Thornapple Trail, and it's 42 miles long. There's some great sections right there near Middleville. And I've been out to the area between Maple Valley High School and Vermontville. There's a straight section there, a beautiful section of the country. goes over some streams that you could walk, and it's one of those straight-shot rails to trails. That's part of the Paul Henry Thornapple Trail. There's uh, plans to make it complete at some point. They're doing funding and sections, so you can read up about that. I'll put the link to the Rails to Trail Conservancy on the show note description so that you guys can find trails in your area. I'm just going to give you some examples. There's a 41-mile trail up near Ionia, and it's called the Fred Meyer Clinton Ionia Shiawassee Trail. It was an old railroad line up in that area. There's a one down near the Galesburg area called the Eliason Nature, Nature Reserve Trail. Portions of that were part of a railroad system. There's the Kalamazoo River Valley Trail, which connects to the Calhaven Trail. So that one you, you pull up to the Calhaven uh, Trail State Park parking lot in Kalamazoo and one end takes off with the Kalamazoo River Valley Trail going back into Kalamazoo, which is about 20 miles long, and it goes all the way through Galesburg. Then there's the other, you turn around and look at the other direction and you're looking at the Calhaven Trail, which continues all the way to South Haven. So you can explore either one. The, the Kalamazoo River Valley Trail is a little bit more curvy and follows the river and lines like that. And uh, both of them are great biking or hiking uh, paths. Another great one over in Portage is the Portage Creek Bicentennial Trail. It's roughly about four miles long, but it connects with some other smaller trails as well. And this is an old railroad line that's been converted into this wonderful hiking and walking and biking park. I've seen people out there with skateboards and 
all kinds of things in the summertime, and it's just a great place. I saw deer right out there in Portage with one of those rare moments on a busy, sunny day when you turn a corner and you're alone on the trail with your dog, and there's some deer. There's a lot of trails over in the Grand Ledge area. One of them is the Sycamore Trail, which is roughly about three miles long. In the Battle Creek area, there is the Battle Creek Linear Path, which is 25 miles long going around the city. And those were old railroad paths. And then there's also the Calhoun County Trailway, which is another straight rail path that is uh, one that connects with the Ott Biological Preserve, which is a, a set of hiking trails through a preserve area that has some history that goes back to John Harvey Kellogg in Battle Creek. So more on that in another episode. Kalamazoo County Trailway is one of those straight paths. It's a nice hiking path right there in the Battle Creek area. Another one in the Lansing area is the Lansing River Trail, and that's about 25 miles long, and that is one that goes through the urban area, very much like the linear path does in Battle Creek. It takes you through a combination of both urban settings as well as the rural setting. So you have a combination of shade trees and great places to stop and sit and so forth. It's a great way to uh, turn old railroads into places for recreation. And then over in Grand Rapids, there are a ton of these types of trails over that area. There's the Interurban Trail, which is about two miles long. There's Buck Creek Trail in the Grand Rapids area, the Fred Myers Kennewa Trail, which is almost 10 miles long. And there's a 22-mile one called the Kent Trails. All of those were old railroad lines. Vicksburg has one or two over that way, the Vicksburg Trailway, which is about two miles long. So some of them are very short. Uh, there's a few over in Albion and Homer. There's the Interurban Trail over in Allegan, which was an old interurban line that was uh, converted into a walking path. And it uh, is only about 1.3 miles long. And up in Portland, just that's between Grand Ledge and Ionia, there's about a nine-mile trail called the Portland River Walk, and it is a very popular trail because it goes over a lot of old uh, railroad bridges and through watery areas. So there's just a, a lot of these trails around the state, and you can find them on a website called traillink.com, and it's put together by the Rails to Trails Conservancy. And there are tons of these trails that have been converted into walking paths. And as I mentioned before, read up on them before you go so that you kind of know what type of footwear you're going to want to wear. Some of them are on asphalt. Some have been uh, have sections of them that are on uh, concrete. And then there's a lot of them that are either on crushed limestone or dirt. And you just have to read up on them a little bit before because they'll have different uh, surfaces that will impact your experience there if you're biking or if you're walking. So those are uh, just some tips to look up at before you go. But uh, all of them are maintained and uh, they're good places to explore. And if you Go with the idea in mind to look for little pieces of history of the old railroad system. It's kind of a fun adventure because you will see the old railroad bridges. Sometimes you'll see old remains of buildings along the way, um, maybe areas where there once was signage. And um, you, you just kind of get a flavor for what it was like to travel with the passenger rail race through this countryside at that time. 
The Cowhaven Trail even has a caboose at the entrance at the Kalamazoo parking lot. And I'm told there's another one at the South Haven end as well. So you can look for that. So that's going to conclude today's journey through history. I just wanted to tell you a little bit about the railroads and talk about rails to trails as a way to explore during the holiday season and any time of year, actually. And there are so many of them available out in the area, and you can sometimes find a little piece of history in your journey. So if you enjoyed today's episode, please be sure to leave a review or a rating on whatever app that you are listening on. And if you'd like to reach out to me, you can find me at michaeldelaware.com. I'm always happy to hear from my listeners. You can send me a message through there. And we're getting close to the end of the year here. And this is actually my last recording that I am doing this year. I've already pre-recorded the episodes that you're going to be listening to in the uh coming days wrapping up the new year got a great interview coming up with mac mccullough to close out the year on new year's eve and i've got uh, some plans and changes coming up for the podcast in the new year 2024 i will be going into details of that in the first episodes of the year so i hope that you had a wonderful christmas and i wish you all a very happy new year and lots of prosperity in 2024 And until next time, when we take another journey into yesterday, we explore even more fascinating tales of Southwest Michigan's past. Thank you for listening.